This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am back with another incredible episode of the official Caps Chirp Podcast. It's a Thursday episode. You know what that means. I did net us a interview with Dan Holmey from Locked On Caps. If you're an OG, you know that every Thursday I try to get kind of like a tangential or, or a subject or a interview going. On Mondays, we usually do a week in review and talk about kind of the day-to-day of the Washington Capitals. But I've got Dan Holmey on this Thursday from Locked On Caps. He does a show every day for Locked On, uh, covers the Caps exclusively. And uh, you know what? I'm really excited to talk to him post-trade deadline and discuss, uh, you know, what he what his vibes are of the team going forward. So let's pop some tabs and get it going. One, two, three. All right. Adding to the stream, Dan Holmey, Locked On Caps. Dan, thanks for coming on in such short notice. I know I just hit you up today uh, and we're recording on Sunday. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, I to, to be honest, I did kind of say like, okay, well, Dan's probably laying down something today anyways, so let's see if yeah. he's, he's available. <laughs> so, you know, how have you been since last we talked? Uh, we talked, you know, probably pretty early in the season, about just over the halfway mark, I feel, and then I've done some spots on your show. Um, so how, how have you been? Well, first of all, you weren't wrong. I was recording earlier today, so you were right. Um, but I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, there's some ups and downs with this team. Um, just following them. You, you know, if you take a look at it, they can win these landmark games like against the Bruins. And then the next day they'll fall flat on their face against the Sharks the first time. And then they found a way to beat the Rangers and then subsequently lost the next game. So the interesting thing about me for this team is them finding ways to win certain games, but then totally falling on their face the next game. Um, I don't want to be drinking the Capitals Kool-Aid too much here because they beat Anaheim and the San Jose Sharks, which aren't, you know, revered as some of the best teams in the league here. But there are reasons for optimism, in my opinion. If you take a look at how Vinny Iorio stepped up, you take a look at Gabe Carlson um, and Rasmus Sandin. You know, these guys, these new guys that got brought into the lineup, Alex Alexiev was also in there. Um, I guess I was had a little bit of reserved optimism, you know, hoping that uh, they'd be able to do great things. And as it turns out, they killed it. Craig Smith, too, the guy that we got from Boston in that uh, Orloff Hathaway deal, two goals. Um, I did not see that coming. It was my assessment that they just got him out of Boston to get his contract off the books. But I don't care. He came here. He had that one back check goal in there that uh, got washed out at first. Um, so I'm riding high for right now anyway, and I think the optimistic approach is the only approach to have uh, when covering or following this team. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you hit the nail right on the head, and, and I guess what you could, we could call that is is just this team is inconsistent. Um, <clears throat> you know, flashes of brilliance. I thought when we talked last, uh, you know, I had thought that the Washington Capitals had really found their stride in December. Then they got... Backstrom and Wilson back and it all fell to shit <laughs> to for lack of a better term uh you know it seemed like the boys are really really firing on all cylinders and then they get these two huge pieces back um and and really kind of it, the wheels started to fall off which is acceptable you know we we want to get these guys back in you know on paper they're definitely an improvement over the guys that we were playing but at the same time, um, I think that the learning curve, along with additional injuries, along with just, you know, the the, the slog of a season has really um, affected the Caps uh, in a negative way. And, you know, we look at this injection of youth and, you know, you're referencing that San Jose game that we just played here on, on Saturday, I believe. Yeah, Saturday. Uh, it was in the middle of the West Coast trip right now. Um, by the time this is released, we're probably, it's probably over, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we beat two basement dwelling teams two of the worst teams in the league. Um, and we absolutely, you know, really looked like trash the first period of the San Jose game. I thought, you know, this is terrible. I tweeted out, Hey, this is what force feeding young guys, you know, who, who, you know, are, are, are new to the league minutes this is what it's going to look like uh and 
even in this single game, very inconsistent. While the while the high side is great, which is what we saw at the last two periods where the Caps finally got the lead out and started to uh, bury at an impressive rate. Still, you know, I think that that's that's probably in in one game. Uh, an encapsulation and description of, of the team moving forward. I mean, would you agree on that? Because uh, while we may win some games and we may weigh in large and show flashes of brilliance, we're going to have entire games, entire stretches of, of first period San Jose there. Yeah, and I mean, the one thing the Caps had on their side is that San Jose had a long history this season of giving up big leads and then subsequently losing those games. So, I mean, I, I don't want to say that this was a great victory. I mean, it was quite convincing eight to three was the final score, but it was against a pretty deplorable San Jose Sharks team. But to your point there, the highs and the lows. Um, I remember posting after the Rangers game that I was optimistic. And then subsequently the next day they fell to the Buffalo Sabres. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, taking a look at that game, what that was is Peter Laviolette was trying to meet fire with fire. They were a young run and gun team. And he tried to, in a couple practices, turn the Capitals into a run-and-gun team. And guess what? The Capitals look winded. That was the game that Kuznetsov uh, coughed up the puck in the neutral zone there and subsequently led to a goal. Um, so, you know, the thing of it is, is that it's a tough team to follow this year. There's been highs, there's been lows. And if you take a look at the standings, it's definitely on the outside looking in. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's improbable. If you take a look at it, I got it pulled up here right now. The Caps are in sixth place with 68 points, the Pens 71, the Islanders 72. So I think that, you know, they're hoping obviously for Pittsburgh and the Isles to go on a losing streak and the Caps to keep their foot on the gas. It is going to be a tougher ask, though, as they take on the LA Kings next. So what we're taking a look at there is we're not talking about an Anaheim or a San Jose team. What we're talking about is a team that's number two in the Pacific. So much like the Boston game, much like the Rangers game, an interesting litmus test, a measuring stick, if you will, of this team to see what they have in the tank. We saw what this team with this new lineup did against the San Jose Sharks. Let's put it in action against the LA Kings. That would be a good test. And I understand that Faravari um, and Jensen might be back. So uh, Vincent Iorio and um, uh, Gabe Carlson might not even be in the lineup. But um, nonetheless, if this team does want to make a push, now's the time to do it. You know, I was talking with Matt Wyrick before and he looked it up online. It's like a 10% chance of the Capitals making it to the playoffs. So wow. it is razor fine. But if you take a look back on 2018, they came over great odds uh, when they were playing Columbus in the playoffs and then Tampa and then Las Vegas. So, again, that's why I say improbable, not impossible. Yeah, absolutely. And were those were those Vegas odds that he was looking up? I, he referenced um, a I don't know if it was sports logic or one of those. I don't recall off the top of my head, but uh, he looked it up online. I brought that up in the interview with him, and that's what he had said to me. Um, so it is interesting. Again, a razor fine wire for them. Uh, they got to win these games. But taking a look at the schedule, it is not going to be easy. As we record this, and you're listening to this rather on Thursday, they will be playing the New Jersey Devils. We know where they're at right now. They're killing it. Uh, they just got Timo Meyer from the San Jose shark so a tough opponent so la kings tough new jersey devils tough and new york islanders big points if they can find a, win, a way to win that game next saturday it could be a game changer you know that that's my thing right there and one of the things i talked with you about i believe it was you uh when we were talking about when they were playing carolina it was the stadium series game and all that around that period of time mm -hmm. is that i thought that that was going to be a good test of this team and what happened? They lost every single game that entire week. They lost against San Jose, two against Carolina, and one against the Panthers. That was then my assessment on my show. I said that is going to determine if this team is buyers or sellers. And we saw that come to fruition. And, and what Brian McClellan did ultimately turned into sellers. I'm just glad he didn't get too crazy and trade the farm. You know, they, we still got Connor Sherry. We still got Trevor Van Riemsdyk, those kind of things. I was hearing crazy things about, you know, if you dangle the right carrot in front of McClellan, he'll trade Oshie or, you know, something like that. But, um, you know, I guess change is what's needed. And ultimately, right now, I'm happy with the changes that are made. But I do believe uh, that this is just the beginning of things to come. I think you'll also see big changes around free agency uh, in July. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm glad you brought up, you know, it's a great segue into into the into the trade deadline. Now, McClellan, <clears throat> like you said, I think rightfully identified that the Washington Capitals were going to be sellers. Now, there's been a lot of media out there talking about like the promise to Ovechkin and that this isn't a full rebuild. I, you know, everybody's saying retool and I understand why, because the goal of a retool is to do it quickly change out swap out you know some pieces and be still be a competitive team but man we're looking at an entire blue line that needs to be re-signed or moved we ended up moving uh we ended up moving orlov out of that which who i think is probably the cap's second best defenseman uh Mm -hmm. so consistent shutdown guy can play both ways he's lighting it up in boston he's got more points than games right now uh played and, you know, uh, you, you look at that and, and while that stings, you know, I, I thought Orlov was going to be part of part of the big plans. But at the same time, we just don't have the money in the cap. So I understand why that piece was moved. Obviously, losing a fan favorite like Hathaway, the the biggest pest in the game, uh, not only lowers the entertainment value for me while watching the Washington Capitals, but uh, he will be dearly missed, uh, I'm sure. So, I you know, what do you think if you were to give a a grade to McClellan like A B C D F, what would you give him? I'd give him a B. I mean, there's some things that I guess he could have done out, gone out and done, but you know, the thing of it is, just watching the trade deadline, it used to be fireworks. I've taken this day off of work even before I did these podcasts here for like the last ten years because, you know, put a pizza in, have a beer, something, and watch just the craziness that would ensue. But as it turns out, most teams are getting this all taken care of much before the trade deadline. Uh, You saw all the big pieces move in the week and weeks that led up to it. So um, you almost kind of have to just have your notifications on Twitter turned on and just pay attention to it. But Brian McClellan, I think he did a good thing by uh, making moves to solidify the blue line, picking up Rasmus Sandin, uh, getting Jansen under contract. Um, and then also we have Faravari, who is a restricted free agent. Same goes with Alexiev. So the Caps uh, have their rights anyway, uh, or f- right to first refusal there. So there is still some movement that has to get made. And ultimately, uh, the deal with Orloff was is that he was seeking a seven-year deal. And uh, Brian McClellan was all in on a three-year deal. Yeah. And I love Dmitry Orloff. I followed his entire career. I think he's one hell of a defenseman. And to your point, killing it out in Boston. But seven years, that's going to even go past the you know Ovechkin career rebuild that's going to happen at some point. You know, as soon as Ovechkin hangs it up, you're going to see the construction company with the deck uh, sitting out <laughs> in the parking lot, ready to rebuild because it's going to happen like that, in my opinion. Um, but for right now, Brian McClellan is doing a great job. I think he has all along. If you even take a look what he did in the last off season uh, by picking up Connor Brown, Dylan Strom, Camper Lindgren, all those great moves. You can't anticipate the injury. You can't anticipate that Connor Brown only played under, I think, like three or four games with his team. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I, again, I think that Brian McClellan did what he could do. You take a look at some teams out there that kind of face palm emoji. If you take a look at the Islanders, they did next to nothing on the trade deadline proper. I know the Bull Horvat deal, but um, right. other than that, uh, you know, it's got to be frustrating to be a fan of like the Columbus Blue Jackets, for example, or one of those teams like the Anaheim Ducks that are just sucking and going to be sucking in the future the thing i like about the capitals is mac has a plan it might take some time i'm not going to say they're going to be contenders next year but a good chance at being maybe better than they were this year absolutely absolutely i totally agree and, and we're going to talk about more of that but first speaking of contenders nba fans it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba this week new customers can bet five dollars and win two hundred dollars in free bets instantly Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA team. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download the DraftKings app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get 200 free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPM. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. 
man, I was getting like lockjaw through that through that ad read. I don't know what happened there. But uh, back to Brian McClellan. So 100% agree. I think he's done a masterful job. I think that the people who have torches and pitchforks out uh, asking for his job, you know, who hurt you? I, I don't know what what kind of highfalutin <laughs> ideas you have about what assets the Caps own currently and what leverage they have uh, to be positioning themselves to be bringing in big names and huge and high draft picks because uh, you know we've just our team is old. Uh, they're talented, but they're old, uh, and they're only going to ostensibly get worse as their careers go on. Um, the fact that we were able to move some aging players out, you know, unfortunately, like Marcus Johansson, uh, like Dmitry Orlov, who is really, you know, when asking for a seven-year deal is really, you know, you gotta you gotta look at him as a forty-year-old. You know, he's not forty right now, but and and we've gotten him through his prime. He's a homegrown guy, uh, but you know. You look at that and and we got a first out of it and we got a couple other picks out of it from Boston. So love to see that. We ended up flipping that first pick, which is essentially a second round pick the way that Boston's on a roll right now uh, to get Sandine. So who had three assists in his first game. Do I, do I think that that's going to be sustainable? Who knows? Um, probably not a three point guy in and out every night, but at the same time, he looks like he's got a lot of promise and he's only like 22 years old. So I like that. Now you look at this whole kind of how things have played out and I'll even venture to give Brian McClellan even more credit. He came into this, team after McPhee left long-standing GM for Ted Leonsis comes in wins a cup fills a, a a glaring gap in the second and third line center that we needed with Lars Eller and uh and and goes and wins us a cup I mean this was our glaring problem throughout many years with in the Ovechkin era we finally fill it and lo and behold two years later cups in our hands then we're going through some some coaching changes and some you know some retooling, if you will. Uh, but largely, the core stays intact. The Caps do not perform well in the playoffs, and you know for several years and since 2018. So it's it's really been five years at this point. The guys that were killers are now a little bit either veterans or aging. We move them, we flip them for assets, which we've seen already uh, during this trade deadline. You know. Was this Brian McClellan's plan, especially when you look at the blue line, the way those contracts line up, they all end this year. I don't believe that that can be a total coincidence. Not only that, this is the year that Connor Bedard and one of the strongest draft classes in the past decade is coming through. Teams are going to be hot and bothered to be, to be, you know, moving things to try to increase their 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 draft picks for this year alone um and so now the caps have taken their aging aging team flipped them for picks they own of quite a few not so many in 2023 but definitely down the line i mean i think that brian mcclellan at the very least understood that there would be chaos this year uh and Obviously, he couldn't have predicted like the East being such a dogfight, though the East always is, and the Metropolitan being you know the epicenter of it all. But man, I mean, I would love to have a candid conversation with Brian McClellan and be like, "Dude, did you fucking plan this?" Because <laughs> you know it seemed like a shit show of chaos, and then Capstone started to understand like our blue line's gone after this year. Like either that or we're spending a shitload of money on them. You know. McClellan had to have, and he seemed very comfortable with with make pulling the trigger on some of these trades. So I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too deeply into it. Maybe he's just really a good reactive GM. But I have to think that that and and I always give these people who are in these leadership positions at these NHL level a lot of credit because they're incredibly smart. They know the industry. Like the, the, they're not dumbasses. Uh, you know, like a lot of fans would think. I mean, what's your what? Am I, am I going a little too into into the stratosphere on this, Dan? 
You're not actually. Uh, Brian McClellan talked about that. He kind of sensed uh, that this team was going south even last year. Um, and that's why he didn't uh, make any re-signings of most of the blue line. That's why it was just Carlson that was under contract because even last year he was, uh, you know, skeptical and was wondering or reluctant to make any big moves because he didn't think the caps would go that far. And as it turned out, they got eliminated in the first round. Who's surprised? I wasn't surprised. So, I mean, this is, you know, a car wreck that we've seen coming from 10 miles away and we drove right into it and somehow we're surprised. Um, but Brian McClellan did have a master plan. He said that he didn't sign any of those guys to new deals because he wanted the flexibility to your point. And that's what the Capitals have as they can turn, they can decide who they want to have come back. In this case, we know Carlson's good and now it's Jensen here and Rasmus Sandin. But everyone else on the blue line, it's either going to be a dogfight um, in the preseason, you know, see Vince and I already and Alexiev and Lucas Johansson and all that. And also whatever whatever other acquisitions that he makes in the offseason. But um, I think that this is kind of going uh, according to his plan. He saw this happening. Um, and that is why he kind of left the door open. That way he had the flexibility to move these guys for draft picks and that kind of thing. Um, it just kind of, you know, it, it sucks if you follow the team. You know, you got Garnet Hathaway and, and, you know, even Lars Eller and Marcus Johansson, all these guys, you yeah. know, the band breaking up, it's a tough thing. But if it's for the better good in the, in the grander scheme of things, I'm all about it. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys aren't our friends, even though it seems like it because we watch them on television. <laughs> right. There are players that are trying to win hockey games for the team that we follow so um again and like i talked to other people on the show i wish dimitri orloff and halfway and eller and marcus johansson nothing gustafson nothing but the best um i i'm not i'm not going to call them you know a a poor player just because they're wearing a different jersey it's just it didn't work out for the capitals and you know best of luck on your respective team yeah and of course you also have to think it from a personal level of these players man you know most people's career can last 40 years that is not the case for the wash for a, for a professional athlete. You never know, you know, if you're going to take a freaking puck from Brendan Dillon to the head, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, you have to really do what's right for you and your family to secure the bag. Now, you know, it, I, 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 I've, uh, I, I know Carl Alsner pretty well. Um, he has started another career uh, last time I checked on him and, and that, that's great. He's moved back to DMV to, to kind of, help that thrive um you know obviously the guy did make 33 million plus uh in his career is a very well played player and deserved every cent of it don't get me wrong um and and so that's a really good like building block that a lot of us don't have but at the same time like you know you got to be smart if you're a player and secure the bag when you can especially when you're young you want to get those big dollar contracts you want to get term uh you need that money and then as you're making more money obviously your lifestyle is going to elevate a little bit but at the same time so you got to be smart with it and, and invest wisely and all of that um but you know if you think about 33 million living like a very comfortable lifestyle over the course of an entire year uh li- lifetime and your family that number really starts to whittle down quickly. While, of course, you know, I would love to have $33 million. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you know, come on. This is, uh, again, you know, you're looking at, if you're lucky, you can play 10 years in the NHL. If you're lucky, right? Uh, very few players do that. And uh, they, they have to, it's a business decision at the end of the end of the day. And, and while emotions are 100% attached to it, and I think that the NHL ha- is, has, probably more more team friendly contract deals than literally any other major sport in North America um you know i would i i think that it's important that fans you know also realize that these are humans who need to who all are also falling under the same restrictions of money just like us uh though they are making more of it in the short run um, yeah, I mean, you, you got to take a look at it. Someone like Ovi even, and I mean, rarely do you see a hometown discount uh, or a player that's willing to take less than he could probably fetch. Alex Ovechkin, uh, I mean, he could have played on 31 of the other teams and got whatever he want, you know, just yeah. back the Brinks truck up to him. He could have got it, but he loves DC uh, because this is the team that he feels comfortable with. This is the team that he's seen the success with. Um, and the same thing goes for Nick Backstrom, two guys that both uh, decided to get contracts without an agent. They, they canned their agent and said, we know how to do this. I mean, you yeah. guys just you, you can go do something else. So, I mean, you got to give it to guys like Backstrom. I would put him in that same category. They could have played sure. anywhere they want. 
And But I think that Ovechkin and Backstrom in particular, they know that they're equally as important to each other. I know that oftentimes they don't play on the same line anymore, but it would be a safe assumption to say that Ovi wouldn't be the player he is today if it wasn't uh, Backstrom serving him those great saucer passes to the dot there. So um, again, you don't run into hometown discounts too often, but the really great ones will be willing to do it. The one that I'm concerned about next, however, is Tom Wilson. I think if memory serves, he has one year left on his deal and then he hits the free agent market. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a guy that you're going to make, you know, move a little bit heaven and earth to keep him here, that, that would do it. Uh, you know, it's funny. I got into an argument with someone on Twitter and I said, you know, because the rumor mill out there was that Toronto was closing in on Tom Wilson. <laughs> and I said, I-, I don't care if it's Marner or Nylander or, the, you know, whoever, Tavares. And the guy's like, really? You wouldn't take all those for Tom Wilson? I said, it's crazy. I wouldn't. He brings such a unique skill set, um, a tough guy, a goal scorer. And I mean, that is why his agents phone is ringing quite often to see what it would take uh, to get his services. But, you know, that is the one thing the Caps are going to have to do um, is find a way to re-sign Wilson. That's the big one. We know we got um, Ovi and Backstrom, you know, for the next couple years, got to keep Wilson in the district, whatever it takes. Um, I just, you know, all the people I talk about, he is a four-leaf clover that doesn't exist out there. You know, you've seen teams you know, uh, hire people, you know, sign people. The Rangers signed Ryan Reeves when he was there just to take on the likes of Tom Wilson. So he is a force to be reckoned with. So Brian McClellan, if you're listening or watching to this podcast, (laughs) do what you got to do. Bring him back to the district and sign him up long-term. It's still my belief he is the future captain of your Washington Capitals after Ovi hangs up the skates. Great guy. He took in Vinny Iario after, you know, and he gave him the rope and everything and just, you know, really, you know, that's what was a cool moment too was Ovi and uh, Tom Wilson kind of taking the young guy under his wing and making him feel welcome. That's leadership right there. And hats off to Ovi and Tom Wilson for doing that. He was a scared guy. He blew a skate out there and uh, got coughed up a goal there. So, but um, just real standout guys. And we, we need more of that on this team. Absolutely, man. I mean, when you think DC hockey, like a player that plays DC hockey, the number one, I mean, Ovi is it. And then boom, it's Tom Wilson, right? Heavy hitting, not afraid to mix it up, uh, plays the body physically and is the the power forward of of the team, right? I mean, this is uh, power forwards are really a dying breed, I would think, um, as the game shifts more towards finesse. Um, you really don't see guys who are just willing to go into the tough areas with their, with their head down and, you know, focus on funneling shots into on, on net. I mean, uh, more of it is, you know, how can I stay to the perimeter and set up a pretty play or dangle guys out of their, out of their socks? Um, you know, then you have guys like, you know, you have like McDavid who's like on an, they're going to have to create a brand new, description for that guy i don't know i mean automatic cheat code would be a good forward i don't know that guy's on on fire insane but you know uh that's one guy in the league but you you look at like a classification of power forward and i think that the washington capitals really hold that type of player close to the chest and then they they value that that gameplay and as a fan i do too i mean you know i grew up in and and really my formative years of playing hockey was was dc and unfortunately i wasn't a first liner by any stretch of the imagination so it was you know get the puck deep two three big hits and and a shot or two on net if you can and then get off right i mean that was that's that's the that's the grind uh in in dc and that's that's really kind of you know i think that again this was years ago but uh i love that player i love that style um i respect it a lot and and to your point that is tom wilson and and he's ready to go that's why that's why i've got this thing tom wilson saint thomas back here you know he's he's the he's the patron saint of dc hockey so um 100% 100% and wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, now, let's let's take a look into the future. Let's future cast this a little bit. You said there's a 10% chance of, of the Washington Capitals making the playoffs. I think that that's, you know, while that sounds terrible, it's probably a 10% chance for Detroit, 10% chance for Buffalo, 10% chance for, for uh, the Senators, 10% chance for literally every other team that they're neck and neck with. Penguins, Islanders. So really, uh, I don't think there is a true shoe into the wild card. Um, 
I had uh, Grumpy Old Man and TJ from the Never Say the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network here wanting to tank. They're like, Lou Lamarillo is <laughs> old and clapped out and, you know, Barry Trotz doesn't play youth. We knew that. Um, and and et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, we want Bedard. Like, we want to we want tank now and, and do smart business like the Washington Capitals are doing currently to get a team that's competitive in the next few years. We can continue to, to hit our heads against the wall uh, with this team. But the problem is, is that, you know, we signal to rebuild, you know, getting Tavares out and, and nothing's really happened. You know, Barry Trotz come in, worked his magic, made the team relevant again. But now it's like, you know, shit, what, what, where is the next step past, you know, to get that supporting cast around Barzal and, 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 you know, Sorokin, you know, who are, who are, two solid players, right? You know, they have pieces, but they don't have the team. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just happy that the, the Washington Capitals did not go the Detroit Red Wings route of just do anything to make the playoffs. And that's it. And when they get there, you know, whatever, first round out, who cares? Get swept in the first round. Who cares? Next year, we're just going to make the playoffs. Um, they're thinking deeper. And, and I definitely appreciate that. Now, uh, the guys from Never Say Die podcast did say that they thought that it would be an Atlantic team in the last wild card. What do you think? Do you think that there is going to be two Metro teams, a mix, or two Atlantic teams? Uh, that I don't know. I mean, it's still uh, too early to tell for me. And to be fair to Matt Weirich, he did give me that data before uh, this San Jose game. And I know everything changes all the time. But oh, um yeah. Uh, just taking a look at, I guess it's too hard to say. If I just take a look at the standings right now, I, I just, I'll just concentrate on the Metro in particular here. Um, I, I mean, I do think it's possible that the Capitals obviously could take on the Penguins. They only have 71 points. The Caps are at 68. Same goes for the Islanders. Then the top three of the Metro division is locked down. Hurricanes, yeah. Devils, Rangers, no one's touching them. The Rangers going all out. Them throwing the guns on the table saying, come at me, bro. Come at me. We got Kane. We got Tarasenko. No one's touching them. I don't care that the Hurricanes are in first place right now. I think the De- or excuse me, the Rangers are real contenders. I think the Devils are real contenders. Yeah. And that's a funny thing to say just based on how they played, you know, even the last couple seasons that the Devils are now contenders. But again, I, just because the Hurricanes sit on top of the Metro, I don't think that means anything. They're a good team. But, you know, if you take a look at what the, it's crazy, just at one time, pull up the sheet for the Rangers who's out on the ice. It's like an yeah. all-star game out there. Um, as long as they can jail. The biggest thing with any of these things is chemistry. I hear everyone talk about it. You can bring in Patrick Kane. You can bring in Tarasenko. Tarasenko, who's been killing it, by the way, for the Rangers. Yep. Um, but is Patrick Kane going to, you know, kind of dilute that petri dish a little bit it remains to be seen uh but on paper anyway i think that uh you know the caps anyway just keeping it on the caps here they do have a chance it's a small chance they just have to hope that they can keep winning and the pens and the aisles start losing right um you know i i don't think the penguins are are very good uh i never do but i really don't think so this year um i think that and and you look at these two clubs who are in very similar situations, right? Have like a, a generational talent on their team or two and have an age and they're aging out at this point. And they are, um, you know, one team decided to sell and flip for assets. The other team seems to be, the Penguins seem to be doubling down, right? I mean, uh, who'd they just get? Uh, Kulak, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And and then they added Granlin about five years too late. They were in on him when he moved uh, when he moved away from Nashville. Um, you know, I, I just I don't I don't know. I I, I look at them and I just I want to say keep it going, Penguins. Mortgage more of the future. You don't need first round picks for the next five years. Might as well just sell them in the off season. You can you can run it back with Sidney Crosby. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but. Uh, but who knows what exactly is going to go down. The Caps, like you said, sit three games out uh, as we record this. And they do have a pretty uh, – a, an easier schedule than what we had at the beginning of the year. Um, and, and you know, who knows what it is what, – what's going to happen. But uh, obviously, we would like a shot at Bedard, a 3.5% chance yeah. uh, right now. Uh, but 
I, I, the chance that we get that are so low that it's like, you know, we might as well make the playoffs. <clears throat> I will say though, just going back to your New Jersey comment, like who saw that coming? I fucking saw it coming. Everybody it's, it's on the pod. Early on in the season, I said, look, man, I don't think that we can really uh, take New Jersey very lightly this year. I think that they're a playoff team, but I did I did downplay a little. I said that they're probably like a wild card team at the very least, um, you know, and so I'll, I'll take the blame for that. Uh, they have exceeded even my expectations, but I said we couldn't sleep on New Jersey. I think they're going to be really good this year, uh, and, and, and they have executed a, a pretty tremendous kind of rebuild after years in the dumpster. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this playoffs is, has been, is going to be crazy. When we look back at the deadline, a lot of hockey trades have been made. A lot of tr- straight up hockey trades, like you said, big names moving like Tarasenko and Kane, um, amongst many, many others we don't have time to get into now. But, <clears throat> you know, I will say that, it, that the trade deadline in general really did change the complexion of the league. I think almost as far reaching as, as most every team that's in the mix right now for a playoff spot made did something right for the most part. Um, the basement dwellers, they're kind of. You know, like you got also Minnesota, who's just the league's ATM machine, it seems. But like, you know, other teams that were really low in the standings kind of sold or, or did what they needed to do. But I think everybody was really in the mix more so than I've seen in the past. So um, interesting stuff. I mean, <clears throat> you know, one thing that we could look forward to, though, Dan, is that if the Caps do not make the playoffs, 100% stress-free, enjoyable playoffs playoff season, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. And, you know, the one thing I guess I'm concerned about, and, you know, he's a bit of a polarizing person, is Peter Laviolette, and they're like, he has got to go. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I hear is I'm like, you're not a fan of statistics, are you? He is the winningest U.S.-born coach ever. He has done what he can do to help win this team. If you hired someone to build your deck and you took away half the tools in their nail apron and said, what are you doing? Build that deck. And he's like, hey, man, I- I'd like you to build the deck. I don't got my screw gun. Right. I don't got, shut up. We built you that we hired you to build the deck. Now build the deck. Right. Uh, Peter Lobby in the same thing. He took, uh, you took a lot of weapons out of his arsenal and uh, you told him to put together a competitive team. Is there a guy that could do a better job than him? Maybe, but I mean, that's, that's conjecture. And we ultimately don't know if that's the case uh, for me. I like Peter Laviolette. I think he's done a great job on this team. Ultimately, would I have liked Barry Trotz to still be the head coach here? Of course, but we can't live in the rearview mirror going forward. Uh, I do like uh, Peter Laviolette. That's the biggest uh, person that I'm concerned with if they make an early exit is it's just a lot of times I think they have to answer to ownership. You know, Ted Leonsis, I hired or I fired uh, Peter Laviolette. I, I took care of it, you know, just as kind of a knee jerk reaction to things. So um, just you know, keeping this team together and, and getting keeping Peter Laviolette here, that would be, you know, my goal for this team. But to your point, if they do make an early exit, which is very possible, I most uh, definitely look forward to watching the Metro. I think it's going to be a team or a division to be reckoned with. You take a look at the Rangers and the Devils and all those. It is going to be some fun hockey to watch. That is for sure. Absolutely. And like, what the hell is Boston going to do in the playoffs? Like President's Trophy considered the kiss of death in many respects, but holy smokes, Boston is on, you know, all time lists at this point. And, and, and it's crazy to see, you know, and, and so if they go out, I feel like if the, if the Boston Bruins do anything short of an Eastern Conference final appearance. It's an absolute failure of their season. You had two guys, you want to talk about team-friendly deals, you had two guys in Patrice Bergeron and, and Krejci uh, who I think a lot of Boston fans, Boston ownership, were ready to move on from. But then they were like, oh, but wait, we'll just take nothing to play again and run it back with the boys. Uh, fucking crazy. And 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 had seasons to match to back up what they were saying. You know, obviously Krejci got injured, which is pretty normal, but uh, you know, at the same time, insane, insane, uh, you know, season that they're having. So I, I'm so interested to see what they're going to be doing in the playoffs. Obviously I'm even more invested now that Hathaway and Orlov are there. would love to see them get a cup. Um, you know, 
despite all of the the mass holes uh, and and shitty fan base that the that the Boston Bruins have had over the years um you know I'm I'm kind of pulling for them because I think that the team I honestly have always respected the Boston Bruins as a team I think they play a really you know it's been de- it's been it's been you know since they won again it's it's been the same thing from Boston uh in, since their most recent cups like it's been they're a defensively structured stout team. You know what you're getting night in and night out with them. They're a consistent team. Um, and that has to do with just, I, and they've done this through coaches too. Like, so this is like a, this is like a, a it seems like a, a trait of, of the why of, of the Boston Bruins there. So I, and that's something that is, is hard to replicate. I mean, that's not something that, you know, every time a coach comes in, he wants to mix things up, but uh, you know, it, it, it's crazy to see an identity stuck to so long through so many coaching changes like the Boston Bruins have done and had success with. So that'll be very interesting to see. Um, <clears throat> and I do have to go back. You're So you are in favor of extending Laviolette. Is that right? You want to extend him. How many years? Yes. Uh, I mean, I'd at least give him a couple more years here anyway. Um, you know, it's never safe to give these guys really long contracts because if they don't live in up to potential, they don't, I mean, they're not going to be there anyway. You're just going to fire them. But um, I, I'll, I mean, I want to see what Laviolette can do with, you know, a team, you know, that has all the players at his disposable for at least a good majority of the season. We know that we are yeah. out Backstrom and Wilson uh, along with, you know, Connor Brown and, you know, Oshie in and out. We could go over pretty much the entire lineup has been in and out at one point or the other. Um, so it's not a real fair assessment of uh, Peter Laviolette to see what he has in the tank. Uh, there is some, you know, rumblings out there that the head coach down in Hershey might be the heir apparent for that job. Uh, he's killing it uh, down in Hershey. Last I checked, they were in second place. Um, so, you know, Hershey, the, the future is bright down there as well. And they're doing it, um, you know, with uh, some team, with some guys getting called up and called down, that has to be a challenge from them. Cause as I'm sure then they're calling guys up from ECHL stingray. So, uh, they're able to make it work in Hershey. So that is, you know, some of the rumor mill that I hear rumbling out there that he could be the next head coach of the capitals. Uh, but you know, just my opinion, I would give uh, Laviolette a new deal. I think that he's worth it, but to your point on Boston, um, just being that they're playing so well, I would kind of laugh almost to a certain extent if they fell flat on their face and they lost in the first round. And uh, the, re- <laughs> the reason I say that is, I mean, kind of a cocky group group of guys there and everything, but um, I don't know, it, it, almost playing too well at this point, you almost got to think that something has got to go uh, awry there a little bit for the, uh, for the Bruins there. But uh, some tough decisions uh, ultimately for Mac to make in the offseason – uh, head coaching and what players he's going to bring back. I know that we gave a stay of execution to TVR and Connor Sherry. Those are players that are going to have to be dealt with before July. Otherwise they are going to get their walking papers or they're going to get traded to another team. Um, it is my belief though, still, if your plan and it just is just common sense, that's why everyone's like, why do you think Eller's going to go? Well, because if you wait till the off season, then you get zero for him. So right. same thing with all these guys, if you're not going to sign them, you be, but you're better to do it earlier because the other GMs can kind of sense your desperation. They're like, wait, it's one month to free agency. Screw you. Nope, I'm not going to give you what you want. So exactly. ultimately, they would have been better off if they don't uh, perceive Connor, Sherry coming back, and TVR to move them. The reason they didn't move TVR, he was tempted, is that the back end, the blue line was so banged up, he didn't want to put the Caps in a bad position. He is still holding out hope that potentially – this Capitals team could make the playoffs and uh, I guess it'll remain to be seen if it was a wise decision or not. Yeah. I mean, uh, McClellan's definitely uh, um, walking that tightrope for sure. Uh, and, and again, people don't under, I mean, so many people put out these ridiculous trade options and it's like, first of all, you have to realize that the other team wants to get better too. So it's not like you're just going to fleece people in trades. It's very rare that, that a team gets fleeced. I mean, we've been fleeced a la Philip Forsberg before, but <laughs> you know, we've been, we've been beaten, but, but those, but those, those take years to, to realize if you've, if you've fucked up or not, um, you know, and so I, I, some people are just, 
out of their out of their fucking minds. You're the first person that I've I've seen say extend Lavi for term. I think a lot of I think everybody's kind of since no extensions come through yet. I think that the overall vibe is that he's going to be you know let go, not let go, but he's just not going to be re-upped. Um, not fired, you know, just it didn't work out and we're going to go somewhere else. Um, you know, I've heard, I've heard the name Jeff Halpern, a Maryland native, mm. uh, tossed around as well. Um, but Tampa organization. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, the thing is that's fucked up is that we've tried the rookie head coach many times, three times. Adam Oates. In fact. <laughs> yeah. Adam Oates. Um, you know, uh, Dale Hunter, even, you know, uh, Todd Reardon, you know, the, these guys, we've tried that and it is blown up in our faces. Um, we have succeeded in spite of these coaches at times. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, um, I, I, I worry because I do agree with you. I think that looking at the free age, the, the, the coaches who are out there, because at the beginning of this season or mid midway through this season, even there was a lot of coaches out there, you know, when, when Lavi was going to be hired, Gallant was a was a front runner. I'm sure. Um, I'm glad we went with Lavi. I, I I like his structure, discipline, D style. Um, I like that he's like okay with going back into a trap and playing that. Like good. Um, you know, I, I don't like. We've seen high flying offenses for the Washington Capitals. We know they can't get it done on the on their own. Um, and that's not just a personnel thing. But at the end of the day. Hockey is a player's sport, right? And what I mean by that is is that you can coach your ass off. It's the onus is still on on the twenty five guys you're putting out on the ice, right? Um, you can do things to harpoon that success, like you know different personnel changes, things like that. But really, you're in the NHL. The personnel changes are are you know I I don't believe that they're as big of a deal as everybody makes it as as shown in our past game the 8-3 victory against San Jose after coming out and looking like an ECHL team in the first. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, it's 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 a, it's a team sport. Everybody's got to be pulling on the rope for sure. Um, and what, what do head coaches really do in the NHL? They manage personalities, right? Laviolette had Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, Backstrom in his office and said like, okay, look, we know you're going to fucking, you're going to score like 60, 70 points this season. Like, how much can I expect out of you on the defensive end of the puck? And the answer for Kuznetsov was, I, that's got to be a place that I want to do better, I think, in, in my game. And I think we've seen that under Laviolette. He's killing penalties now um, as a weapon, right, as a shorthanded option, which he has had success with. I mean, these are, these are all situations in which Laviolette literally, like any other corporation, brought – he had to have had this conversation with these players, right? Same with Ovechkin. Hey, Ovi, like how much are you going to back check? Like in what situations will you actually bust your ass to get back? And we've seen Ovechkin doing some back checking, you know. Um, may probably not as much defensively as, as some fans would like, but when you're dumping in, you know, 30 to 40 goals a season, you're allowed, right? Uh, you you kind of have to because you're not going to trade that player. Right. You're not going to trade Alexander Ovechkin. So, you know, people get really wrapped up into this. I think that uh, while I agree, I think Laviolette's done a great job here. He's been dealt nothing but shit and he's done his best. Um, I've been defending Laviolette from day one. I wouldn't be upset if the Caps re-sign him for even another two or three years. I was thinking another one-year extension just to run it back and see what happens. But... Uh, you know, the lame duck contract is, is rarely a successful one. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, I mean, of course we would love to live in fantasy land where Barry Trotz is still at the helm, but he's not, you know? So, um, and then one last thing I wanted to go back to our conversation about Hershey and you brought it up is that the caps have quietly been, uh, drafting high picks in, in the defensive core. And we've we've leveraged a lot of them and sent them away. I think that like McDavid or McMichael and um, uh, Lapierre have gotten a lot of hype because you know they're supposed to be these scoring guys, um, and those guys always get all the attention. But quietly, the Caps since McClellan has come in has done just defense, 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 defense. 
of late is really where they're adding to the forward core. Again, this uh, supports my argument that, that BMAC knew. He knew this was going to happen. And I think he's done an expert job of hiding these guys in Hershey. Uh, he's shown to be really good at hiding players when they're going to lose them, lose players like in expansion drafts. Um, you know, Seattle, he hid TVR off the roster for a long time. As soon as the expansion draft happened, boom, TVR, you're an everyday player. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, McClellan's got, he's got layers, man. He's got layers, but, um, but yeah, sorry. I kind of went on a, on a rant there. So. And I want to give uh, Hershey all their credit. I just checked it. Last I checked, they were in second. They are now in the first place wow. in the Atlantic Division, 34-14. and 14. So uh, one thing I guess I would say, if the Caps make an early exit, uh, get your subscription to AHL.TV. Uh, <laughs> if you don't live in the Hershey area and check out those games, um, the video quality has improved so much on that platform. When I used to watch it years ago, it looks like someone was shooting it with a VCR camera. Um <laughs> But nowadays, it's actually the production's rather well. So if the Caps do make an early exit, uh, uh, hockey remains in the Capitals organization in Hershey as they are killing it. Uh, we should hear a lot more about that. We really don't. I guess it's an interesting thing. But, um, who, you know, whatever. The head coach has got him pushing the buttons and pulling the strings. And Connor McMichael and Hendrix here, even though Hendrix here for a while there was out of the lineup. There was rumblings about him getting traded as well. Uh, interesting position for a lot of those guys. And most notably, Lucas Johansson and Hendrix Lapierre and Connor McMichael. And I hear so much grief about these players if I don't just sing the praises of these guys. But <laughs> yeah. for me, for the certain to a certain extent, they've got to be the players that we thought they were going to be. Yep. Otherwise... Okay, so I'm going to have these guys come up into the Capitals organization. This is what you guys wanted. You're going to have all these young guys in there. But if they suck, that's on you. Um, Everyone wants this. Everyone's like, well, Connor McMichael, you can't say anything about him. He hasn't been given his opportunity. That's bullshit. Look at what Vincent Iorio did. He killed it in his first game. Connor McMichael and Hendrix LaPierre have had flashes of greatness right but like when i was talking with jj regan what did we notice about with those guys not sustainable if you want to get a sweater every night in the national hockey league you got to be consistent except for you know if your resume is longer than a cvs receipt like um <laughs> alex ovechkin right right um you, you get a little bit of leeway there but if you're a young guy you better come up and you better kill it and look at vincent iario look at gabe carlson as well just yep. taking a look here at a little bit of stats about what they did last night Carlson, 19 minutes of time on ice. Iario, 14.48. Notched an assist on Ovechkin's second goal. You got to be thinking to yourself, that guy has just got to be smiling and laughing in bed all night. Just like, (laughs) I can't believe my life. Someone pinched me. Um, Because that puts him in the history books, right? Uh, To assist on that. Just a big night for for that guy. I'm so happy for this team right now and these young guys that are coming up. There's a lot of negativity. Sometimes I try to look at the silver lining, and that's the silver lining for me is what is coming. The Caps are in a lot better position than a lot of these cellar dwellers that have absolutely no plans uh, for getting out. See the Blue Jackets. See, you know, Arizona. Is Arizona hockey ever going to work? They're playing in Mullet Arena in front of 5,000 fans. I know it's just a (laughs) stopgap there, but if there's one thing, if there's one redeeming thing about being a Capitals fan is that as long as Ted Leonsis is the owner of the team, he's going to put a GM in power that is going to make sure that this team is going to do its level best to win hockey games every night. And if they don't, He's going to come up with a plan on how to fix that. And uh, that that's my silver lining and my, you know, pumping up this team that it's not all negativity because it's easy to be negative when you follow this team. But people want to deflect positivity. I'll talk about that in my show. I'm like, well, this could happen. I'm like, yeah, but they lost two in a row. <laughs> Don't always cling to the negativity. You might need a medication for that, you know. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's my take on it is uh, it's not all doom and gloom. Do I get upset? Do I get pissed off about following this team sometimes? Of course I do. But then at the end of the day, I realize better days lie ahead. They have to. Yeah. And dude, I mean, I 100, I wholeheartedly agree about the the prospects that you've, that you've referenced, especially Connor McMichael, right? Like we, I want nothing but for him to be the next Ovechkin or the next back, Nick Backstrom or Kuznetsov. Like I want him to be a finishing center, uh, not a third line center. But do you really, like the, 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 the fanboys and girls and people for 
him think that he should be getting like top six minutes. Like motherfucker, you're going to put Kuznetsov or Backstrom on third line. And then you're going to sit linchpin to the fucking Stanley cup, Lars Eller to get this fucking kid in who, who has shown us what he had a, he had a great rookie season. All right. He, he did well. He didn't, he wasn't world beating. Uh, you know, I think the stat that, that uh, caps fans that I was just recently thrown was, well, Connor McMichael, or Connor McMichael scored the most points out of all rookies who averaged 11 minutes a game. Like, if you're averaging 11 minutes a game, that's a third liner. So yeah, so what you're telling me is like he is an acceptable replacement level third line or fourth liner. You're not telling me that he is a second liner. You know, if if he was playing, you know, 15 minutes a night, which he wouldn't because he shouldn't. Um, and he is, you know, he's got a, you know, goals above replacement of like double digits then we're within okay fine like let's talk about that but it's clear that he has not shown um enough and and you're right it's it's not about his his top it's about his bottom and his middle it's about his consistent play night in and night out and if you're not you're he's an undersized guy his rookie season he came in like 10 15 pounds heavier had hit the gym knew he was small and then he had a decent rookie season I think he, and to be completely honest, I think he rested on his laurels a little bit in his sophomore season, resulting in his sophomore slump that we're seeing right now. He is not even a world-beating player in in the AHL. You have to be that to be a top six player in the NHL. Um, you know, and so just people are people are just fucked in the head. To be completely honest, I, I mean this whole this whole like thing that Lavi doesn't play youth. That's not true. Uh, you know the average NHL age is twenty seven people. You know that there's a there's a few guys on our on our team that get get jerseys every night for that. You know Abe Kubel. He's a guy that knows he's got to work his ass off. And he's come in and done it. And that's what you get with age and veteranship in the NHL. The faster that Connor McMichael can figure that out and do those things. Sonny Milano. That's Sonny Milano, I think, is a is a player who pure talent makes Connor McMichael look like a scrub. And that wasn't enough for him to get even a contract in the NHL. Even mm-hmm. in AH, you know, he, he was getting AHL offers like this guy. Um, and played in Hershey for a long time and lit it up and then came up. And, and did all the little things, the detailed things. Playing hockey is, you know, from I've been playing a long time and, and good hockey teams and, and good players do not just have these flashes of brilliance. Yeah, they have a hat trick in a game. That's fine. But you got now the expectation is that you have to have a hat trick every game, which is unsustainable. Um, the, the greatest players I've ever seen and played with in person just do all the little things all the time. Right at every every step of the day they, they're consistent um so absolutely agree with you on that it'll be interesting to see what the washington capitals do in the offseason with the coaching staff um but but yeah i mean um it's it's uh <laughs> it's it's going to be i say interesting but probably frustrating and and also incredibly entertaining for sure so yes so we've, we're, we're about about an hour now, man. And I mean, this has been a great conversation. I think that, uh, I think your, your takes are, are so are awesome. Uh, you know, there's no icy cold takes like Tom Wilson of fucking Toronto here being taken seriously. <laughs> so, you know, this is awesome. Uh, you know, good for us at least. Um, but you know, I mean, uh, is there anything that you wanted to, wanted to discuss before we, before we kind of go our separate ways? No, I think I'm good. I think we covered most everything that's relevant. We'll have to revisit this in a month or so and maybe talk about a post-mortem of this team and where where it's going forward, or maybe talking about preparing for the playoffs. I hope it's the latter. Absolutely. Absolutely. That'll be, that'll be a good conversation to have. So we might be drinking heavily or drinking in, 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 well, probably drinking heavily for me either way, but you know, at least in a, uh, Happy or sad, you know, who knows, uh, vibe on that one. But, uh, you know, tell everybody where they can find you uh, and, and and we'll get going. Sure. So you can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's Locked, locked On Caps. And, of course, it's available wherever you find your podcasts and YouTube. Awesome. Awesome. Caps fans, give Dan, give Locked On Caps a follow. He's at it every freaking day. You want updates? 
Dan is on it. He is, he is up to date with things. I'm more pontificating and bullshitting like a blubbering idiot. Dan's actually buttoned up and, and has real news and good takes. So absolutely Caps fans, give him a follow and, and listen to his show every day. He's doing it. So, uh, until Monday, Caps fans, we'll be talking about the week in review. We'll talk about, uh, you know, what's been happening in this past week as you're listening. And um, until next time, Dan Holmey, Hockey Troll. Thank you. Signing off. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Troll podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.